When I was three years old, <clears throat> I ran out onto the street chasing a ball, and I came upon a frog that was flattened like a tortilla. <laughs> and I was very sure it was the ice cream truck that ran it over, that circled the neighborhood playing the very dreary cuckoo waltz. And it made a very big impression on me, a dead frog. I mean, tadpoles and salamanders and toads were like practically family for me. And I had never understood until that point that something could die. And I stressed about it, tried to figure it out. What does it mean? And lie awake. And one night I heard this beautiful sound. And I ran outside in my pajamas. I looked up on the roof and there was a bird. And it was whistling and singing and croaking and chirping and imitating crickets and crows and jays and frogs. And it was bouncing up and down, its head bobbing, as if to say, I'm having the best and happiest time in the whole world. And I looked up at it and I thought, I'm in the presence of God. <laughs> and she's a bird. Who knew? <laughs> and I was so happy with my discovery. I went back to bed, slept well, got up in the morning to tell my grandpa. And he said in his deadpan voice, he said, son, that was just a mockingbird. <laughs> and, but that mockingbird and that dead frog were life-changing for me because I realized looking back that from that point on, I devoted my life to restoring and protecting the living world. And as I grew up in California, I was seeing nature being dismembered weekly. And I wanted nature in the driver's seat, not a roadkill. And I knew that she was the only one who had a valid planetary driver's license. <laughs> And that led to me starting a natural food company when I was young. And I had read books about uh, how Mesoamerican, Native American, uh, Asian, uh, West African uh, farmers had developed uh, regenerative agricultural techniques to sustain and increase the fertility of their soil for thousands of years. And that's when regeneration became, for me, the lens and a framework with which I could understand this relationship that we have, not just to agricultural land, but to the planet as a whole. And I went around the country searching for regenerative farmers and found some, and they were amazing. I sat at their feet, I learned so much, they understood the land like no one else, and they all understood that soil health plant health, and human and animal health were inseparable. Soil scientist extraordinaire Jill Clapperton once said that when you're standing on the ground, you're standing on the roof of another world. And that is so true. There is more life, actually much more life, beneath than there is above the ground. 
And just last month, a paper came out describing how soil fungi sequesters the equivalent of 13.2 billion tons of CO2 carbon dioxide annually, which is comparable to 36% of total fossil fuel global emissions. And yet, we have an agricultural system that's doing everything it possibly can to destroy fungi in the soil. It's called plowing, intillage, it's called herbicides, dicamba, glyphosate, paraquats, pesticides, neonicotinoids, I mean, fungicides. And I've come to see big ag and big food come to be the fossil food industry. The single greatest cause of ecological degradation on the planet and the single greatest emitter of greenhouse gases by any sector. Now, the good news there is if we flip that narrative and it becomes regenerative, food and ag can become the greatest contributors to reversing global warming. Regenerative farming is fairly simple in concept. It means creating the conditions for more life. Hmm? So on a farm, soils flourish, so do pollinators, so do birds, fungi, microbes, moisture, fertility, resilience. Regeneration is this nonstop mode of life. And life only exists in a cell. It exists nowhere else. And all 40 trillion cells within each of you are regenerating right now, this very second, as is all the microbial life within you and within the soil. And what we know about the 8.7 million species that we share this planet with is that they all organize in community. And so whether it's a forest or a forest floor, or whether it's a family, or whether it's, you know, uh, Fridays for the future, or whether it is a gaggle of geese, or a pod of dolphins, or a locker room of the Detroit Lions. I mean, <laughs> we are all the same. Communities and people and soil and life are these patchwork of living entities teeming networks of exquisitely interconnected organisms to which we owe our existence. Regeneration is not a panacea. It's not a certification. It's not a standard. It is a pathway. It is a purpose. It is a direction. It means putting life at the center of every act and decision, every policy and process. Regeneration restores and forests, but also favelas, coral reefs, and communities. Ponds, beaver ponds, hopefully, and the built environment. And it elicits and engenders localization as contrasted to globalization. Ten thousands of NGOs, of communities, of students, of activists, of foundations and companies are forging a regenerative future as we speak. And they are addressing everything that we 
use, eat, buy, make, wear, and build. And thousands of indigenous communities and first peoples who have been treated like the enemy for centuries, subjected to untold barbarity and cruelty, and from who, who we have removed uh, from the land that was theirs, where in some cases they had lived continuously for over 40,000 years. And they are re-emerging and taking their rightful place as the progenitors of regenerative wisdom. And it's incumbent upon us to listen to these teachings and these understandings. The mockingbirds where uh, I grew up are gone. They're not there. Um, the frogs, the tadpoles, the salamanders, they're gone too. We humans have erased one half of all life on the planet in the last 200 years. This is biological chaos coupled, of course, which you know very well is climactic chaos, and they amplify each other. And if we're going to reverse these crises, it requires one thing, reciprocity. Reciprocity means giving more than you take. And when reciprocity prevails, everyone benefits. And when it's absent, injustice prevails. And regeneration means listening intently and respectfully to all the voices, not just to human voices, and stitching together the connections that have separated us from each other and from the natural world. The way you heal a system is to connect more of it to itself, whether it's an ecosystem, your immune system, or a social system. When my daughter was two, I bundled her up and took her out to see the dazzling night winter sky, which she had never seen before, and she stared at it and then looked at me with her big green eyes and said, Papa, Papa, it's, it's, it's the moon and the stars. It's the moon and the stars. <laughs> she was looking at a miracle. And what I loved about her, she never assumed that when we went, went out again at night that they would be there. And she was just astonished as she was the first time. And I think about her often because I think we presume that the mockingbirds and the monk seals and the hedgehogs and the elephants and the bumblebees and the redwoods and the dragonflies uh, and the eagles will be there the next time for us and for our children. And that is no longer a given. It can only happen, it's only possible if we become regenerative cultural farmers in that we plant seeds of understanding in everything we do and wherever we go and that we restore and regenerate life on earth. It's the only way. If this is why we gather. This is why we come together. We are right now this beautiful direct expression of life.
We are community. Thank you.